Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have The Running Man, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Olanzo, Yafet Koto, Richard Dawson, Mick Fleetwood. <laughs> Who? Weasel Zappa? Jesse Ventura. Jim Brown? Written by Stephen E. D'Souza. Very prominent screenwriter around this time. I hope we get to talk about him. Yeah. And directed by Paul Michael Glazer. Starsky. Ian Hutch. <laughs> this is the craziest <laughs> cast I think we've had on Rice Smile Films. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to, to a brand new week, new episode, new review cast. This one we're building all around... Uh, the governor, the governor, the uh, Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think we're going to call this one Hasta La Vista. And looking at from 1987, The Running Man, based on the novel by Richard Bachman. If you don't know who Richard Bachman is, you know who Richard Bachman is. It's Mr. Stephen King. Um, wrote under that pseudonym for a number of years. Maybe on books he didn't feel deserved the, the King stamp. Well, I feel since he was operating on an alter ego in this episode, Mm -hmm. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your alter ego today. (laughs) You seem to be quite well coughed, my friend. (laughs) Thank you. Looking quite handsome. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm out of quarantine mode. And yeah, it was time to get cleaned up. But the beard's staying. Keep it. (laughs) I'll keep my growing mine as long as you keep growing your beard. Excellent. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, But today uh, we are having uh, uh, a new bottle. This is Breckenridge Bourbon Whiskey out of uh, Breckenridge, Colorado. And this is a a new one for us. And I'm just going to kind of read what they have on their website because I think it's a real great description. So it's a high rye bourbon whiskey aged for a minimum of three years in charred new American oak barrels and blended to reveal the unique qualities of bourbon whiskey. Deep honey amber hue with pronounced aromas of butterscotch, candied orange, and apple. Dry uh, and brown sugar envelop the tongue as the spirit lingers with notes of vanilla and white pepper. It certainly has a sweet, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say fruity, but kind of fruity in that uh, explanation that you just gave taste to it. Yeah. Um, 86 proof, so it does not going to burn you the way the Booker's did. It's nice. Yeah, I've never tried anything from Breckenridge, and this is this is a nice start. Yeah, and they they have a few different reserve barrels and and uh, single reserve uh, offerings on their website. If if we really do like this bottle, we might have to kind of dabble into some of those other ones to see to see if we like those. Well, it's a pretty nice bottle because the rye for the last couple of weeks was real good, and then this is off to a good start. Very good. Yeah, is it keeping keeping things good, keeping things good and positive. So, cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers, Rye Nation. Yeah, really get the honey on that. Yeah, that's pretty good. So let's get to what we're here for. <laughs> Let me back up a bit. I'm, I'm putting the cart before the horse. I'm excited to talk about Running Man. Yeah. But let's start with our flight question. Harold Faltermeyer again. Yeah, between Beverly Hills Cop... Top Gun, and then this. This is that's probably the expenditure of his film scoring days. But back to back weeks. That's, I, don't, I don't know if that's happened before. Pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. So our flight question uh, this week, being that Richard Dawson is the primary antagonist in this film as Killian. For those of you that don't know, Richard Dawson had a pretty prolific career prior to that, hosting The Family Feud. 
one of many hosts that have hosted that show and Louie Anderson and Richard Karn and now Steve Harvey. So many people have hosted that show. <laughs> Drew Carey, I think also, right? Uh, maybe. maybe. Family, uh, maybe. And, and they had that other guy, I can't remember his name, but he killed himself, that other host. Anyway, so <laughs> which, he did He did get in, in, in a hotel room. So our question is being that, you know, he's a game show host being an actor. Now, what are, uh, some other game show hosts and let's cast them as villains. So I think we each picked three. So why don't you run through your three and then I'll run through my three. Okay. Okay. So I have some classic villains and I have some contemporary villains in here too. So okay. let's do a contemporary one first. Okay. This is a game show host that entertained myself and my family every night at dinner through my adolescent formative years. Okay. This young man's name at the time was Wink Martindale. Is there a better name for a game show host than Wink mm -hmm. Martindale? Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Wink Martindale was put on this earth to play one role, the Riddler. Nice. <laughs> Wink Martindale is the Riddler. Nice. If you don't know why, pull him up. Google. That's, Look at him. That's really good. I don't need to go much further with that. Excellent. I think a game show host sort of naturally fits in the Riddler role, kind mm -hmm. of goes along hand in hand with trivia-like questions yeah, yeah, and knowledge. yeah. yeah. So, uh, good old Wink playing the Riddler. Cool. All right, let's hear. Oh, you gonna? Do, I'm gonna do all three. Yeah. Next one's classic. Classic. Okay. The biggest bastard <laughs> of game show hosts ever, in my opinion, okay. was Bob Eubanks. What did he host? The Newlywed Game. Okay. <laughs> which is way before my time too. Yeah. But in the afternoons, I used to catch some of that before afternoon. Got home, cartoons came on post school. So I caught several episodes of the newlywed game and there were some funny moments in there and I can't say it was wildly entertaining because that wasn't really something I was familiar with in my life at that point. But Bob Eubanks was the master of the sarcastic aside. So these questions would be posed from husband. What would you think your wife would say about her friends? Who's the most attractive? And then the husband would answer, the wife would come back in and then, and it was a constant deluge of little snarky comments and eye rolls and cup his hand to the microphone and talk to the audience like these people are chumps. And classically, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, he's a bastard. Yeah. Classically, he's Iago mm. from Othello. Yeah. Backstabbing mofo. Yeah. I actually think he probably should have been Iago. Like maybe when Shakespeare wrote him, he had Bob Eubanks in mind. 200 years prior. I think Bob Eubanks is maybe a little taller than Iago is. I kind of feel like he's sort of little, but classically yeah. he is that guy. Okay. Just smile to the contestants and kill them to the camera on the aside. Boy, he was a bastard. Interesting. I'm going to have to go watch some old like clips to see how he was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty repulsive actually. Okay. He was a bastard. <laughs> And then my final one okay. is kind of in a bit more contemporary. And I would argue this is not only one of the smartest game show hosts when it comes to knowledge, because yeah. all of this was just raw knowledge, not practiced, yeah. not rehearsed. One of the smartest individuals on the planet, and that's Ben Stein from When Ben, when Stein's, ben Stein's Money. Money. I forgot about that one. Okay, so Ben Stein is Kaiser Soze. Okay, that's pretty good. When Ben Stein's money. Right? What a weird show. Like <laughs> All of that was just him being him. Yeah. Just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. And not trivia, like just a random assortment of facts. 
like able to discuss them knowledgeably. That, that on, dude is a genius. Was that on Comedy Central? Yes. Yeah. I think Kimmel might have been the mm, host too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. When Ben Stein's movie, wow. Ben Stein oh, playing man. Kaiser Soze. That was a trip down memory lane. I remember that one. Yeah. Excellent. I love your list. I love your villains. Thanks. <laughs> They're all just like pretty despicable. I guess. Terrible people. Except Ben Stein. Ben Stein's, I guess, pretty well to do. Like yeah. him, him and Bill Nye. Yeah. The science guy. Yeah. Excellent. I also have a Riddler in my list. Oh, really? Uh, but I, yeah, I thought about, you know, trivia questions. The king of that to me is Alex Trebek. Yeah, no question. I think he'd, they're always just regurgitating it. Who is, what is, answered in the form of a question, you know, that that type of thing. So he already has that Riddler aspect to him. He's already asking riddles practically on his show. So I'm going to go with him for the Riddler. It's a natural fit game show host yeah, and the Riddler just yeah. goes hand in hand. So we both are there. Yeah, if there was like a Riddler backstory that wasn't Edward Nigma and he like happened to be a failed game show host, I'd probably buy that. Oh, no question. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for uh, my next one, going Pat Sajak. Pat Sajak has this kind of quality where I just feel like I wouldn't like him. So if I went on the Wheel of Fortune, I think I would. he would like rub me the wrong way. I don't know. I feel like he, him and I would clash. <laughs> so he's going to be a villain. I don't have like a particular villain. I just want him to be a Bond villain, like megalomaniacal, like schemer of something, and him running that. And then, and then Vanna White could be his evil Bond girl. <laughs> That's good. <Yeah. laughs> like that, that is good. And then this might be the best one. Give so, her a name like Alphabet or something. Yeah, you know, that has been like, like, like Z- uh, Femke Jensen in Goldeneye played Xenia on a top. And there was always that double entendre that she was always on a top of things. She was always on a top of man, mm-hmm. squeezing her then with her thighs. Femke Jensen. Yeah. It's an interesting film story mm-hmm. there. And then my last one, I think this one's, uh, this is probably the best one. You remember The Weakest Link? Yeah. Yeah. You are The Weakest Link. Goodbye. Anne Robinson, British. So I went with the British role, another kind of despicable, uh, Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. Good. Well, maybe I, the maybe more despicable than Voldemort. Like she's not held in any high regard. That's really good, Jesse. So I thought I was like, man, they always hate it. Like it, it, watching The Weakest Link, which was that was NBC. That was fun to watch because I got into trivia stuff like that. I always felt like those people just wanted to just let her have it. They were so fed up with her because she just treated them like shit, like almost like Gordon Ramsay on Hell's Kitchen. So, so right. Yeah. So, so stoic. Really? Yeah. Just so in the role. Goodbye. And she might not be like that. I mean, she might be a real nice lady in real life. Who would ever know? Yeah. So, yeah. Dolores Umbridge, just totally despicable Harry Potter defense against the dark arts professor. You and I should be in central casting. We should. We're getting good at this. Yeah. We'd be in the, <laughs> we'd be in the boardrooms there at Universal and we'd be like, yeah, we want to cast uh, Anne Robinson or Pat Sajak. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> Since we both said the Riddler, can I give you an honorable mention that just missed for me? Yeah. Peter Tamarkin, who was Mr. Pressure Luck. I thought about him, but for like, almost like a Jerry Dandridge, like vampire. Okay, because I had him as Norman Osborn. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I did look him up because I do remember him on the Whammy show, and he had this, he's a good looking man. Yes. Uh, that's why I thought like. Like a like a vampire. He, Chris Sarandon, Jerry Dandridge, and Peter Tamarkin are three cut from the exact same cloth. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. Excellent. I love those. Cheers. Good job. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, let us know who you what game show host you think would be a great villain. Picture with the role they're going to play. Hit us up. It'd be fun to look at it. Regis Philbin. Do you remember that one on Fox? It was around the time of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was like a big thing. It was called Greed with Chuck Woolery. Yeah. 
You remember that one? I do. Yeah, I, I like that one too. And they had to work as like a team to like bump up the total. Any thoughts as Howie Mandel for Norman Osborn? Oh, that's pretty good too. How do you forget about Howie? I forgot about Bob Barker. He could have been a great villain. Did I say Norman Osborn? I meant Lex Luthor. Howie Mandel is Lex Luthor. Oh yeah. Bald, yeah. That's good. So many ways we could go with this. Is That show's not still on, is it? I don't think so. What the hell's it that? It might show? be in Sid, D- like, deal, deal or No Deal? Yeah, I have no idea. There's not a lot of game shows out. Like I know Family Feud's still churning along somehow. I know Jeopardy's obviously on. Yeah, and Will of Fortune. Alex Trebek and his health. Yeah, and <laughs> Will of Fortune. Fortune. Those have been on for years. What they're doing now, I feel like The Rock has one, right? That American warrior thingy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit more of the physical element. Yeah. Um, and then ABC like will roll out those golf ones with uh, Rob Riggle and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those, and that, they're more like healthy competition, like American Gladiators, much like this film. <laughs> Were you ever, was Password way before your time? Yeah, yeah. It was way before my time too, but we used to watch it reruns. Yeah. Just in the summer. Man, I would have been good at that game. Yeah. Just the way you could phrase and accent different syllables to get your partner to say the word. We would just be yelling at the TV, say this, say, and they just, oh. I'm going to tell you the funniest story I think probably I've ever told you. So, <laughs> oh, this, oh, here we go. Yeah, Let me sit down. Ever. So I was an only child, so I, there's a lot of just entertaining myself, like during the summers. And one of the shows, game show that I used to like, I can't remember what channel it was. Maybe you remember. It was called Supermarket Sweep. Oh, yeah. The Day Brubrick. Yep. <laughs> used to watch Supermarket Sweep. I was obsessed. When the show was on, I would be in the kitchen with my own cue cards, and I was, like, running the show from the kitchen. I was pretending to be him. Wow. And, like, asking questions. And, man, I just, I loved when they would go down the aisles with the their cards, and I would be like, why don't they just, like, shove stuff into, like, into like the thing? Like, like they're doing it wrong. I'd be really good at that game. There's another one, too. We got to stop talking about this because we can keep going. <laughs> but one last one. There's one that I used to do growing up. I think it was called Starcade. Mm. And it was two kids both playing the same video game for 30 seconds. And then whoever had the highest points <clears throat> accumulated in the video game won that round. Mm. But what was awesome about that is they featured most of the time new games. That's cool. So I think Xevious is where I first saw Xevious on there. I think they might have done um, Dragon's Lair on that. Mm. It was That was pretty awesome. It didn't make it for very long because there's only so many yeah. video games. Because they had to have games that the people weren't good at. Otherwise, they'd... Yeah, be they'd, unfair. they'd be experts already. Right. So interesting. I think it was called, don't quote me on that. I think it was called Starcade. Starcade? I, I okay. Think so. I'm not sure. Oh, man. Like, I'm just like hankering. Down. I'm just like going down nostalgic road now. Well, excellent. I love your choices. Let us know what, what yours are, and let's get to our review breakdown of The Running Man. Anything moving? I said the crowd is unarmed. There are lots of women and children down there. All they want is food, for God's sake. As you were, Richard. Proceed with Plan Alpha. All riders must be eliminated. The hell with you. I would not fire on helpless people. Abort missions. We return back to base. Lieutenant Sanders, do you copy? Affirmative. Take command, detain Richards, and proceed as ordered. Richards, what the fuck is <laughs> There's a couple things that Arnold does or says that just crack me up, and one of them's the hell with you. And then the others when they pulled him out of the, the pilot seat is his Ah, the Arnold yelp. I'll call it that. This is a big moment for Arnold because instead of yelling, get to the chopper, yeah. he was actually already in the chopper. He was in it. He made it to the chopper he in this did. film. It didn't go well. 
So here we go. We This is our opening scene of the film, which establishes the character of Ben Richards, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. What are they? Are they like some type of military force? And yeah, the pilot, they're, they're, they're going to do like a food drop for these people that are rioting in the streets. And it's just like women and children. It's just, just the, the, the homeless and it's a supply drop. And he's ordered to just like open fire on, on this crowd. And as the clip says, the hell with you, I'm not going to fall on that. So they like forcibly remove him from this thing, knock him out, go through with it anyway. And then he ends up like, man, like talk about this future. This is 2017 running man style you don't follow orders, you end up in prison type of a thing. There's no slap on the wrist or a demotion. Like now he's in it, like in, in, in the slammer to the letter of screenplay, high concept, summer tentpole writing. Here's your opening. We understand the setting. It's some dystopic future with a heavy, heavy military presence and people below literally below that are in need of just the basic resources to survive. Yeah. We get, a revolutionary or rebellious breakout on the chopper. And we establish who the good guy is, what he's fighting against and what the stakes are. Yeah. Survival, strong military and the soldier who doesn't get in line with everybody. Yeah. Pretty, pretty real, standard formulaic introduction it's real, to it's real simple. <laughs> I mean, if you were going to say, we need an opening that establishes tone, lets everybody know who the good guy is and what's at stake. This does it to the letter. Mm hmm. And I think that's really important in summer high concept tentpole ideas. This is an extremely high concept film idea. We don't want it to be too brainy that you have to work. Yeah. We want you to enjoy your popcorn. It's nice and dark and cool. And we want you to see it a couple of times, not because you need to decode it, but because it's just entertaining. And I think in this first, what is this? Maybe two minutes, two, three minutes. Yeah. We're off to a good start. This is weird though. You brought up like summer popcorn. I guess I never knew this about the, this was a November release. It doesn't really feel like a November film. Really? It's, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I told you on the phone last night, this and predator came out the same year. So predator was July. This was November. Should be a summer release. It feels like this is a summer film. It has that, that element of competition, like Olympic, like competition of, of sorts. Yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting release day, but we'll talk about the numbers because maybe they didn't quite add up and maybe that's why. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say to you. Maybe that was a mistake. Yeah, maybe. And it might have just been competition with Arnold's other properties going at the same time, including A Marriage and Predator. Yep. But yeah, that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, that's it's it even feels like a hot summer movie because mm-hmm. the next scene establishes weather conditions, right? Yeah. So we go to labor camp. The prison. Arnold's been incarcerated for his failure to adhere to the government's wishes about massacring these people. And he's been assigned chain gang-like steel mill factory oh, they got lugging him, heavy shit. They got him moving the, the like the steel barrier. <laughs> it's just on his shoulder. <laughs> so again, here's another really smart move. If we're going to show Arnold and the powers that have been bestowed him, it's not going to be intellectual capacity. Mm-hmm. In film, it might be in real life. Yeah, it's obviously a pretty smart guy to be where he is. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a bit upstairs. Yeah, but I don't give a damn about that on screen. He is the muscle, the body electric, right? Yep. So let's show how strong he is. And he's got what is it? A it's like the structural steel anvil. supports of like a building, <laughs> just lugging it around as he's walking. And meanwhile, everybody has a collar on that if they try to escape is going to explode. 
And there's a strong military presence that's policing this labor that they are then now indentured to, mm-hmm. to, to finish. Yeah. So we kind of get in a little late and maybe they've been playing. And it's hot. Oh yeah. It's also, it's like, it's like a, like a steel factory almost. Yeah. They must've been planning for a while, but they've been planning an escape. And so there's Yafet Kodo. Can't remember anyone's names. And then the other guy, you look, look, look him up, but he's like the computer guy. So like, he's like, he's like, like spying on like the code so that they can get the code color. That way they can get out and kind of stage this, this breakup so that they stage a fight and then it turns into a big riot and they, 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 they amass some control and now it's time to escape. And I'll never forget this moment of um, when they're out here in the kind of in the fields with the, with the barriers. So I must've been in sixth grade and when I, I it was a trip to Costco and this is two of the best purchases I ever made. I, I got the Die Hard trilogy box set. So Die Hard's one, two, and three, and then an Arnold box set. And in this box set, it had Commando, The Running Man, Predator, and Total Recall. And at sixth grade, that's like the perfect age to like like stumble across like these type of films. But I had a, a really good friend named Josh that really liked uh, the Schwarzenegger as well, in particular the Running Man, and he he was convinced that Chico, this man that was running to across the barrier, that it's not disarmed yet, and his head explodes. Mm-hmm. He was like, he's like Jesse. There's no way they fake that. Like it looks like like a real guy got his head blown up. Like it's a pretty good effect. It's like next to scanners, it's a pretty good head explosion. He wants to get out so bad, and they. The guy's name is Weiss. Yes, his Weiss. His real name is Marvin J. McIntyre. Okay. So he's been given the task of taking this code and de-arming the sensors that are going to keep them quarantined. Mm-hmm. And it just won't take the signal. I guess concrete sucked in 1987 as much as it does with the internet connections today. Well, the, well, and they well, can't get it. They can't get it un, undone. I think what, what what kept hampering it was there was that other soldier at his monitor, and I think. Like when Weiss was putting it in, I think that other guy was like doing something because as soon as they kill him, it goes through. Blocks it. Yeah. So maybe he was stopping it. But yeah, not poor Chico. Yeah, he gets his head exploded. <laughs> and then it's, they escape and then it's off to get these collars removed in Shantytown, Shantate, Los Angeles, 20, 2019. I think at this point now, it's been a, been like 18 months. Do you agree with me that this movie is a bit of an ensemble piece? Yeah. Okay, so they do they do establish a team, and when you're going to establish a team, each one of those characters has to have a specific role. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what Yafet Kodo's role is in this. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what he is. Let's say Bloflin. Yeah, but it's pretty clear what Sven's is, mm-hmm. and not Sven's. Um, what Weiss. Weiss's is. He's the tech. Schwarzenegger's the muscle. I guess Laughlin's maybe. He could say sacrificial scapegoat. You might say strategist. But he seems like more like the muscle too, but like you can't have too muscle. Right. But anyway, we're creating some delineation among the characters so that we do recognize that there's some differences and then you get a well-rounded team. Yeah, yeah. The most important character though at this point is Weiss Mm -hmm. because all the muscle in the world is just allowing the military to occupy you and do Mm -hmm. with you what they want. You have to have the technological capabilities to get out. And I think Weiss is capable of that, although it's going to be a tough gig because what we see is failed, 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 failed attempt. And then the other thing, Mm -hmm. the policing of this will go so far as to make your head explode if you cross the line. Think about that. Mm -hmm. 
if you cross this line, your head's going to explode. Not like here's the red line in sand in Syria. Don't cross it. And we cross it and nothing happens. Like literally you cross the line. You're done. You're done. Mm -hmm. And I think all of that beginning, maybe seven minutes, 10 minutes, what we've established is how powerful the opposition to Arnold Incorporated mm -hmm. is going to be. And I think that's quite well done. Yeah. And that's actually really not what this movie's about. No, because it's the movie's called The Running Man. So it's about this. This Okay, so the, the world, United States, whatever kind of region we're in right now is in pretty bad shape for the most part. But what The Running Man really focuses on is this game show that puts derelicts, criminals, prisoners through the gauntlet. And if, they're mani if they manage to survive, they get like all charges dropped off of their off of their case and but they have to get through the game they have to beat the stalkers they got to make it through the, through the game it's the most popular game show um in existence at the at this point everyone tunes in the crowds go see it they lose their goddamn minds they're betting in the the shanty towns like they got like all these crazy bets and it's run by the and so this was what was kind of crazy to me so like it, richard dawson's like the host kind of like in charge of this whole thing but like the people he's tied in with, like he's taking calls to like corporate sponsors, but then like government entities too. Like he takes a call from like the attorney general at some point in the film. Yeah, there's a line that says, I think his secretary comes in and tells him the entertainment division of the justice department is on the line for yeah. you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like government and the entertainment world have like fused at this point. Yikes. Cause like, yeah, cause the economy is like in such shambles and, but here's one glimmer of hope and it's like sustaining like everything. So the network that they work for is ICS. Mm -hmm. How do you say that? The acronym? ICS. X. <laughs> X. X. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's done on accident. Mm -hmm. Not that they're icky, but yeah. And here <clears throat> is Richard Dawson who is taking propaganda. Yeah. Because this is a deterrent for criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. Wrapped in from the Roman Empire, bread and circuses, a la Colosseum. Yeah, gladiators. Things suck, you have nothing to eat. Mm -hmm. But if we entertain you, then for a few hours, you'll be good. And yeah. that's what we are witnessing here with the Running Man. So going back to Bachman, King, mm -hmm. I think we found nice source material, which is actually history. Can I talk a little bit about just kind of the difference with, with some of this? Because I haven't read the, the, the novel Um it's 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 kind of included in separately and then a part of the Bachman books, but there's some substantial differences uh, here, and you kind of let me know whether the movie made a better choice or should have gone with the book. So it's set in 2025. What's the difference of a couple of years? Mm -hmm. But in the film, Ben has a sick daughter and a wife, and the wife they're so strung out on money that she has to resort to prostitution to help provide for them. And I thought that was an interesting element maybe missing is maybe because I like, I like films like we like films like this about family, but even more of a justification for him to go through with the running man other than just like some threats from Richard Dawson, so to speak. Like there's the familial element there. I, I thought that was kind of nice. I don't know why they chose to not go with that. No, I'm with you in agreement there. It should have been stayed. So the actual Running Man game is a little different in the novel. So the contestant gets a 12-hour head start before the hunters. I like that they're called stalkers. Very Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees to me. They get a 12-hour head start, and so it's it's a longer game. It's up to 30 days. They earn $100 each hour, 
but there's no like quarantined game zone. The world is the game zone. Maybe I like the movie a little better where it seems a little more contained versus just they could just go wherever. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. One of those is a wrong choice and one of those is the right choice. And then after that, there's it's almost completely different. <sighs> um, but you, I don't think that in green, the, the framework of what you, what you set up, Bachman's premise is there. This idea of a game show that uh, pits the derelicts of society, gives them a chance at hope. Oh, and the, if they make it through the 30 days, they get a billion dollars. And so that premise is there. It's just kind of in the execution. But I like that the, the 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 film here focuses a lot on the media aspect of it and showing it on television. And it's just it's just everywhere. And even Dawson's entourage when he shows up at ICX headquarters, there's like this entourage for the host of a game show. That that sounds insane. Like who's waiting for Pat Sajak outside the studio at CBS? after a screening of Wheel of Fortune. Right. Yeah. The asphalt jungle in today's society, I think, could pose interesting story choices and could be, and again, this is low-hanging fruit for both of us because that sounds a lot like a contemporary version of The Most Dangerous Game. Yeah. And we both love that story. So I'm going to try to not be that on the nose. Mm -hmm. But in this version of 2017, which there's not much left of the asphalt jungle, I think the grid that they create, which is a hockey rink and other things that fit the stalkers works better because you have some props yeah. to make it more interesting. If it's in LA, mm -hmm. wrecked LA, it's just rubble. It's, you're hiding behind a slab of concrete and some dilapidated factory. And we do actually get some of that in this movie anyway. Mm -hmm. But I like the idea of the stalkers and it plays well for me, especially with the first one, Sub-Zero. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's my favorite showdown of all of them. Yeah. They're on ice. They're not equipped. They have nothing but their wits and whatever version of speed they can sort of muster to get away from this hulking psychopath on skates with explosive pucks yeah. and a razor-like sharp hockey stick. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know what it looks... You mentioned it earlier. That is... I mean, we're taking hockey mm -hmm. and he's called a stalker. Yeah. I mean, they're they're tapping into something that yeah. at that time was very popular. It was big. Right. It's Jason, yeah. but not. Yeah. Back to what I was saying earlier, the rubble of wasted mega city, mm -hmm. it's okay. Yeah. But overdone. Yeah. So I'm glad that they chose to use a game set studio. The, the element that works well for me too is since they're contained kind of game zone, zone one, two, three, four, whatever. But there's like people like chase pushing them into the next one. Yeah. So like if it's an, this good, like in the hunger games, like they have like a big grid area and then they can go and hide in a tree or whatever. Like here, no, you got to like keep moving. You got to keep like going to the next area. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're introduced to Killian played by Richard Dawson. I love that scene where the guy's mopping the floor and he like slips on it and he's like, Oh no, 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 you're doing a good job here. Stan or Will or whatever his name is. And, and as soon as he gets in the elevator, make sure that man's not here tomorrow morning or kind of thing. You just see how despicable he is like right away. Yeah. We're told to not like him. Right. We're already not liking the antagonistical element. Like they're, 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 they're crazy. Mm -hmm. So Arnold's trying to like goes to his, um, is it his cousin's house? 
Yeah, yeah, it's, and he's going to kind of like kind of get him on his next start, but it's ocup- occupied by uh, Amber Maria Conchita Alonso. She come, who works out in their laundry? That's weird. <laughs> that was strange. Mm-hmm. To Captain Freedom's uh, workout, Jesse Ventura. Which I want to talk about him a little more towards the end because I kind of wonder why he was, why he's even in the film because they don't really use him. And he kind of comes in complaining in that one scene because of his plastic costume. And then they doctor some footage with him. But, like, he could have been form- formidable for Arnold at some point. And they, I feel like they didn't they didn't do that properly. Well, I almost wonder if he was part of a package deal to find the other stalkers. Because there's a couple of them that are actual wrestlers. Yeah, Buzzsaw is a wrestler. Yeah. I don't know what <clears throat> league. But I was looking at the cast on Wikipedia in the film. And you can tell that mm-hmm. he's... A wrestler, yeah, like WWF wrestler guy. Mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura cut his teeth before politics and film, yeah, in that same arena. So I wonder, with the interesting casting choices that we've already talked about, let's get Mick Fleetwood and have him play a guy named Mick. So weird. Dweezil Zappa can play Dweezil, yeah, or Frank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, strange. Yeah, it is strange. And this, you just brought up something that is the strangest of all of them. Yeah, we're gonna do a flight or nightcap question here mm-hmm. that addresses this issue maybe next week. Okay. Okay. And that is which are the three worst female sidekick love interest in Schwarzenegger films like Jamie Lee Curtis in true lies is the best by a mile. Oh, she rocks. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. But again, we're biased. Yeah. But this one is in contention for one of <laughs> the worst. And I don't have anything against Maria Conchito Alonso. No. Yeah. It's just, when you brought up what you brought up about his wife and his daughter, yeah. it makes me really scratch my head saying, why did you go away from that to bring her in? Because not only does she not work, mm-hmm. she really doesn't work to the point where, you know, the bad father in me that let my daughter watch signs, yeah, yeah. watch this movie with me this week. Mm-hmm. And she was like visibly troubled by that schlocky kiss between Amber and Killian at the end of the film because it's just... She's whiny and sucks, and you've been having a hard, uh, hard time with the kisses in the last two films. <laughs> I know, and again, that's well. For, yeah, that's I know. not why I tuned in, but yeah, I'm just I know, saying, I know. I think it just embodies. It seems what like, a poor choice that is. Well, it seems like it seems a little a little forced, especially they literally force her into the game grid. But before that, there he's got a plan. We're gonna. Well, I'll let I'll let Ben Richards say it. Yeah, let's see. Now, where should we go? Maybe someplace warm. I need to work on my tan anyway. You see, you get so pale in prison. There you are. Good. Now I'm going to untie you. And then you're going to get dressed. And then you're going to come with me. Oh, yeah? Well, why should I? Because I'm going to say, please. Rex or Bowflex. <laughs> God, yeah. But that's pretty cool. Book a vacation from your television. Just yeah. boop, boop, boop. And they all have a travel pass. So it's like a passport, but it's just this little card. But you need it to like go places. So they're going to, he's going to try and make it. I love this part. Like this would never fly today because they like essentially like take the blood of your unborn children when you travel. Uh, 
he can't find his travel pass because they only have one and he's dig rifling through her purse and the guy's just like get on the plane and we're like yeah okay <laughs> i know the line behind him is tired of waiting yeah just go ahead and just get keep on the going plane. there's no problems here post 9-11 world or pre 9-11 world and my favorite line of the entire film and i don't have an audio because there's some more ex- expository audio that we're gonna play instead is when they're on the transport on the tarmac to like get into the into the terminal and she says, I get air sick, I get car sick, I'm gonna throw up all over you. And Arnold goes, Go ahead. It won't show on this shirt. <laughs> Cause he's got that like disgusting, disgusting. Hawaiian shirt. Ugh. Oh, I love that line. Yep. So he's captured because she makes a scene. Ben Richards, the butcher of Bakersfield, and that they track him down. And in but prior to this we've kind of established that Killian, like the, the ratings are good, but they still need, I love that scene of them on the computer. I think there was like a baby was like one of like the prisoners and like, you're like, what are you talking about? But like, and then they see the prison breakout footage of Ben Richards. He's like, get me that. We need that. That'll ratings. They'll eat Hello, that up. Beautiful. Exactly. So yeah, he brings him in for a little powwow. You know who I am? I've seen you before. You're the asshole on TV. That's funny, I was gonna say the same thing about you. I saw the video of your prison break. Sensational. Ben, I think we might be able to help each other out. I've got the brains, and you've got talent. Now you've got more, you've got talent, you've got charisma, and you've got balls. And that's why I pulled a few strings to get you here. And that's why I'd like you to volunteer to appear on tomorrow's broadcast of The Running Man. Fuck you. <laughs> Richard Dawson's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's hateable. He might be like that in real life. Or actually, I take that back because I actually have a note. I guess a lot of people that worked on The Family Feud saw this film and they're like, no, he was. that's how he really was. Really? Yeah. An asshole like mm-hmm. that. Well, I was going to say he doesn't seem very wooden in that portrayal. But then again, maybe he... He's just playing himself, wasn't because maybe. he was yeah. himself. You know, on The Family Feud, there's some interesting moments with him on there as well. Yeah. Um, well, I think we we really see him shine in his interactions with the audience later. Yeah, and I think in this scene with the pitch that he's giving to Richards, it's natural. He feels real natural in that space, whereas Arnold comes in with the fuck you mm-hmm. And it's, again, wooden. Yeah. That's really an interesting bit that you played because the sound shows the space where one's real comfortable and pretty capable. Yeah. And the other one, maybe not. But is that a, is that a, is that a hampering of an enjoyment of Schwarzenegger's films? Because I, I fully go into watching any of his movies and I know he's not the best actor in the room. Right. The guy playing the psychiatrist in Terminator is better than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. He's not, his purpose isn't there for that. He's there to like be a formidable presence, whether as villain or protagonist. And he's going to be our point of focus. I'm not looking for an Oscar worthy performance out of him. No. And I think it only enhances the brain versus brawn bit. Yeah. Like I laugh at those lines just because like, I've just become so familiar with his vernacular and all the great wait till total recall, man, I'm going to have a field day because his best lines are get you us to Mars. <laughs> one liner after one liner. It's so good, but he, he's kind of good at it. Right. Like even in this film, 
I'll be back shows up. Like that had become a moniker from Terminator that had to show up in all of these films. Mm -hmm. He's good at delivering that one liner where it becomes part of cinema lexicon. We remember though, get to the chopper. There's a reason we keep saying that is because he's good at delivering it. Remember when I said I'd kill you last? Mm -hmm. I lied. I lied. We go on and on with those one liners. And what it does is it makes him look simple. Yeah. And I think then you don't have to worry about some monologue or diatribe that he's going to get into waxing poetic on the human condition. He's just going to punch your lights out. And in this, that's what I was getting to. I think it works really well. Richard Dawson, who is infinitesimally small compared to Arnold in this in stature, but a giant compared to him in intellect. Mm -hmm. And that's important for me with the antagonist because they have to present a formidable challenge but not so formidable that the protag can't overcome it. And we'll get to that later in the nightcap. Mm -hmm. And I think in that bit, that's the whole part of what makes this film work. I mean, just think about of all the potential Mm -hmm. characters that like, just I'll even give you Ben Kingsley. Okay. All the potential characters they could have cast as the game show devil. Yeah. They actually went with Richard Dawson. Yeah. An actual game show. Pretty gutsy, but pretty, pretty, pretty excellent in a lot of ways. Mm Mm-hmm. I think of game show other than Alex Trebek seems like a pretty good. They He's do a good guy. they do feel kind of slimy. Yeah, like, and I don't know why. Like to me, game show hosts is like that's like so kind of bottom of the barrel almost. You know what I mean? It almost, I wonder if it's frustration. I don't think any actor went to Hollywood hoping to cut their teeth in the entertainment industry to host Pressure Luck. Yeah, or Family Feud. Mm-hmm. Where you're kissing everyone over and over and it's you know just and you can tell in those latter years on that he's just so bored yeah oh strike three here we go we want to steal smith's okay jump like family okay jenkins family. like it's just over and over and over and i think what you're getting in this mm-hmm. is probably a pretty accurate portrayal of getting to play through in a method kind of way that frustration yeah. and the thing that's trapped him mm-hmm I kind of love it, actually. No, yeah, I think it works pretty well, yeah. too. So let's get to the game. We have Ben Richards all suited up. I want one of those Adidas running man suits. Equipped with the pads on the Yeah, elbows. they look comfortable. And he's about to go into the game. He's got to sign a contract his whole life away, essentially. They show the butcher of Bakersfield footage for the audience, which has been... It shows him, but it shows him, like, firing. And it, it's been doctor footage, and that'll come back again later. Yeah. And he's going into it, but then Dawson Killian has a surprise. He's got Weiss and Laughlin. They're going in too. They've been kind of rounded up in the meantime. So now there's even some more stakes involved, his buddies. And man, they're going right into it. And then they give them a little bit of a head start. And I love that little tube that they go through. That's crazy ride to get them all rattled up. And then you got those motorcyclists pushing them into the next game grid. And I like this part. They let the audience, or there's that opening number. It's just, it's a whole show. It's like the opening dance number. And then we get to the, it goes to the contestants like you would in a game show, let them participate. And they let them pick the stalker, um, their favorite one, which all these stalkers are like household names here in this world. They're all, I I imagine them wearing Sub-Zero shirts on the street. They're so popular. So there's just fanfare over, which is the crazy part, like literally murder. Like these guys just, and they're showing it on TV again, like the media violence, especially around this time is like kind of like a hot button topic, especially with like 
slasher films. That's kind of what killed them. Sure. Was just kind of the betrayal of, of, of violence on, on the screen. And here you have a show that lives and breathes on that. It's ballsy, but I think it works. Like it's, it's showing just how desperate these people are for entertainment that they're willing to watch that. Okay, I don't so, know if I tune into this show. I don't want to watch people get decapitated on TV. Oh, hell no. Yeah. So sooner or later, we have to address this. So let's just do it now. And that's going to be, I'd like you to tell me what your thoughts are on this in regards to the influence of the Hunger Games. Like, what is your great takeaway from The Running Man and The Hunger Games? I like The Hunger Games. I do too. For the most part. I don't like the final, the third one. The final installment. Right. It definitely takes the game aspect to it. And it doesn't, and it, I think it takes the desk, whereas the desperation, the Hunger Games is for resources versus the capital and the different districts are all well off in kind of their own ways, is kind of different here and for entertainment value. I think these people are desperate for not dying of boredom, which is sick. It's kind of a sick notion. Cause, and, I, and you watch these people, and I love the reaction shots of the people in the audience. They're losing their minds. They're just like, yeah, kill them, kill them. And yeah, that's just that's just kind of how this show's gone. But you, I see a direct influence on on that. And uh, the other another film, it's kind of a little bit better than The Hunger Games. It's called Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jap- Japanese film. Uh, that kind of does the, the, the same thing with kind of, you know, pitting people against each other. But this one's different, whereas they're giving you options to to survive and they're sending people out after you. Those other ones are they're against themselves. The masses against themselves. They're against like a government entertainment industry in this film. You and I know what we wanted in that third Hunger Games. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm that, not that's I don't such disagree with a any of that. Boring film. Split into two. Right. I think that this movie and Battle Royale are mm-hmm. both really important for yeah. that entity to come around. And I guess she's got a new book coming pretty soon, if not already out. That's I'm the sure the Rise be, of Snow, yeah, actually. I'm sure there will be a film adaptation of that. Um, so Who's playing young Donald Sutherland? It's a good question. Kiefer Sutherland? I guess there's some ties to <laughs> Hamish in that, too. So yeah. anyway, we'll see how all that plays out. I think the characters in The Hunger Games are probably more interesting than the character <clears throat> in Bachman's Running Man. Yeah. Um, you know, Katniss is one of the best characters ever. And so is I, I'm a big fan of Haymitch too. Yeah. I just, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge how important this and in some spaces, the area that Philip K. Dick wrote in, in order to create Wait, whatever Bach- Bachman or ba- Phil- Bachman and Philip K. Dick oh, yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. That, Genesis or Opus that caused what's the writer Collins is that her name that did the Hunger Games Suzanne Collins yeah yep. that inspired that mm-hmm. um, I mean you can find inspiration in just about anything you want if you're looking for it but it definitely planted a seed mm-hmm. and we got to go then back to is it um, who Doyle wrote Most Dangerous Game Sir Arthur Conan Doyle now I forget who wrote that I'll look it up it's terrible that I don't remember that this idea of man hunting man in a grid because it's so far-fetched and something that most of us would never, ever be involved in, thank God. Richard Cornell. Richard Cornell. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something timeless about that, Jesse. 
Mm-hmm. It just keeps kind of working over and over. And I think the production value of the Hunger Games is significantly better and the casting choices are better than the Running Man's. Yeah. But this movie's really important for that inti- that industry or that entity to, to exist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we addressed that then. What do you think of Paul Michael Glazer as director on this film? Because Arnold felt like it was handled more like a TV show and that the, the film had deeper themes at one point, but because they, Glazer, I guess, just went through so quickly filming this thing that... Some of that was lost. You know, that's not a vote of confidence if Arnold says there's yeah. some deeper themes in here that we haven't explored. Yeah. Okay, Conan. Yeah. Um, it's handled appropriately. Do you really want more of a think piece element stuffed into that film? This film? Yeah. I don't know. It seems good, but then it becomes a little more heady sci-fi, and I like some of that sometimes. No, yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if this this movie is not hurting because of that, in my opinion. No. I don't want to get into <clears throat> what are the actual motivations of propaganda media as an arm of political affiliations. Like, I, I don't know. And that just might be saturation just right now with life too, honestly. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that, I guess that's a fine criticism, but it doesn't bother me. And honestly... Arnold couldn't pull that off. Arnold couldn't pull that off. Yeah. He um, but under under the capable director, like when he works with Cameron, I think it comes through a little more. When like Ar- in True Lies? Yeah. A True Lies, Terminator 1 and 2. Like I think, I don't know, like I think when a director that's more capable works with Arnold and works with his strengths and then like the story propels his weaknesses, I think it works better. You see that in Total Recall as well. And then you have like John McTiernan in Predator, and we'll talk about this next week uh that's kind of like him meeting him like at his strength with a very formidable opponent and another simple story at the end of the day part of arnold's issue for me is just the typecast space that he exists in yeah i like twins just fine (laughs) i like kindergarten cop it's okay you're a big fan of jingle all the way too i know right and then what's the one where he has the where he's pregnant junior there you go junior those are terrible films <laughs> because Arnold, whether it's all the way back yeah. to Hercules in New York mm-hmm. or pumping iron, Hercules in New York. Yeah. Sally Fields. Yeah. He has a space that he carved out for himself because that's how he carved it out for himself. Yeah. Before Arnold was ever a movie television star. Oh, yeah. He was the most decorated professional athlete in bodybuilding Ever mm-hmm. six times, Mr. Olympia. Yeah, how fucking impressive that is. Yeah. Excuse my language. Yeah, that is a huge, monumental accomplishment. It's how he kicked down the door to a career in entertainment that was more than just on stage and baby oil and mm-hmm. posing. Yeah, and because of that. For me, that's all I can see him as. I don't. Uh, he's had a couple moments where he's in been in dramatic pieces. Um, I can't remember the name of that one where his daughter's becoming a zombie. Oh, um, Maggie. Which wasn't a terrible film. Yeah. But there's an area that he exists in, and the original question was what I think about Paul Michael Glazer and his directorial <laughs> efforts in this. Entirely capable, yeah. and I think just. <clears throat> yeah. This is a pretty simple concept. Let it just be simple. This mm-hmm. doesn't have to be 
this monumental statement about violence and who is, although he might have, he certainly has opinions and beliefs on that. Good for him. Nobody's buying that on television or TV. Nobody's, no, no one's, that would be laughably stupid. Let me tell you, let me ask this because another consideration for Ben Richards with Christopher Reeves, could you, could you have that type of film with him instead? Kind of fall into the same problem that was Christopher Reeves problem in just about everything Mm -hmm. typecast. He's only ever going, Daniel Radcliffe, only ever going to be Harry Potter, Superman and Arnold as Arnold. Yeah. I, I like Christopher Reeve. That is a talented, classically trained, beautiful, ta- yeah. excellent actor yeah. who was only ever one thing. I know. And, we we, we and might, really good at we it. We might have to do Death Trap on Rice Smile. I films. like that film too. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems interesting. I think you might be able to explore a little bit more of that with him because you're not dealing like, like what you said, the simplicity of Arnold, which just doesn't hamper the film for me because I know what I'm getting with him. But I don't know. Maybe you're able to kind of go there with, with some of that. I don't know. Let me ask you a question. We didn't make the film. If you were an actor, okay, and you knew that you had the chance to be Luke Skywalker or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Harry Potter or any of those, you will only ever be that character in my eyes. Roles, yeah. Versus maybe the possibility of not, yeah ever fulfilling any sort of silver screen dreams, would you take it knowing that that's all you would ever be seen as? I probably would. I would too. Yeah. And I don't, I've never wanted to be an actor, but if I was, I would do it. It's what every actor that plays Bond lives with. Like they're forever that character. You're forever Batman. You're forever all of those things. Like the only one that like is able to kind of like escape that for the most part is Harrison Ford. And he got to be Harry on solo, Indiana Jones, Rick Deckard, the president, Jack Ryan, like so many different types of people, which is, I'm glad you brought it up. Cause that's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. If you're good at it. Mm-hmm. And I was going to use that very example. Cause I think if you're good at it, yeah. you can carve out a space as the character type. Who's really good. Cause you look at the names you just listed yeah, and he did all of them quite, quite well. Yeah. He's good. He's he's an exception. He's a rarity in Hollywood. <laughs> and most people that even get to that point, to even get the chance to take a swing at Luke Skywalker, yeah, is a rarity. Yeah. So I, I boy, was, we talked about Tangenial. We are off on a we've done a mouse hole now. This is good. No, no, part of talking in this cask is talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger and the type of actor and 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 what he is and like what what his films are like. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is just kind of looking at that. But let's talk about the game a little bit. So they're they're thrust into the game. First up is Sub Zero, and after a bit of fisticuffs and just kind of looking at them, they dispose of him. And then we get this great exchange. He is Sub Zero. Now, Plane Zero. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just horrible. Words can't express what we're all feeling at this very moment. Okay, so I have a big question in regards to this. So they show us earlier in the Running Man footage three people that have gone the distance and they're living in Hawaii with babes and money. (laughs) The Running Man, does, does the Running Man... Television show end in the first hour 
because it, it seems like this is the first time this has ever happened where right. a stalker has been killed. And I think the only way to progress to the next area is to do away with the stalker, right? It seems like it to me. So for all of the crowd that's there and what seems to be like a, a day-long event. Yeah. Ends pretty quickly. Kind of feels like most of these shows are over in about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, they pick one stalker. He goes and makes mincemeat of them, and it's off to the next episode. You know, unless it's kind of a torture bit, because there is that thing where uh, Sub-Zero puts um, Weiss in the net. Oh, yeah. Scores the goal and mm-hmm. puts him in the net. Slap shot one-timer. Yeah. And uh, so okay. maybe then they let him go, and they kind of just cat and mouse him for a little while. Yeah. But, no, I thought the same thing, too. For a lot of people there... These are over pretty quickly. You better get your gifts given out from the Running Man board game to <laughs> the Running Man board game. You know whatever can of food they gave you. So, uh, so I'm wondering, what do these people think did? And obviously, we're not shown the footage of that Running Man game where those people won. But obviously, those guys would have had to have killed some of these people to make it to the end. Because I think that's what they have to do. I think that's the goal of the game: is you got to survive. I don't you're know. being too cerebral here. <laughs> No, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm speaking to the movie that I really want. <laughs> right. Yeah. Does that line, does the, um, now Plane Zero, does that bug you? No, Isn't, I love it. Don't you think there's a better line? No. It's because that's him. That's Arnold. No, no, no. H- him saying it. Yeah. But without his head, it's less than zero, not Plane Zero. <laughs> not Plane Zero. <laughs> I mean, come on, screenwriting. Yeah, there's probably a better line there, but no, it's he's good in it. Yeah. Now plane zero. No, now less than zero because he doesn't have a head. I know. That's just a huge swing and huge miss. miss. <laughs> Sorry, that's so petty. That, that's funny. Let's get into the next grid now. So um, now that Weiss, they found like the uplink satellites, and I guess the this is one thing I don't like about these type of movies, these dystopian movies, is this like underground resistance movement. Every one of these films has this. Everyone. They're like hiding in the Shantates. They look like homeless people and they have an abundance of technology and they're trying to overthrow the establishment. I don't mind it once in a while, but I swear to God, every one of the, the Hunger Games has this. Do you think the people that are the underground resistance in these movies birth the children that draw the pictures of weird ghosts with crayons and horror films? Yeah, probably. They kind of go hand it's in hand. It's that cliche, yeah. yeah. They, they, they married and had that child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then it's Mick Fleetwood. Yeah, just like, he had to have known somebody. Who thinks the drummer of Fleetwood Mac, I want him in my film. As the resistance leader. Because he's acted before in something else, like rock video. How that that that's some. Did you see him in Gypsy? He's that, so good on that sand dune. That's some drunken night in some penthouse where they're just sitting on a couch, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And you're like, "Hey, I'm working on the Running Men." Hey, can you got got something in that for me? Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll create a character for you. That's how those things happen. That's the only way. Yeah, unless he owes someone a favor. Like he bought Maybe that, they're up represented by the same agent. Bought that guy a house or Who something. Knows? Yeah. So anyway, so they find these uplinks, and if they're able to kind of triangulate the position, like this is all kind of just hullabaloo to me in this film, and they're able to kind of upload that to the resistance to do what exactly? <laughs> I don't know. Get backstage passes to the Tango and the Night Tour. I don't really know. To just, uh, I guess it's to, I guess it's to hijack the feed so that they can put across show the actual that, footage. Show the truth. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So they're trying to do that. Here come Dynamo, Walking Light Bright, and Buzzsaw. He looks like a light bright. Mm-hmm. And and here comes Amber's coming into the game grid too. Again, feels forced. Like I'm with you. Like I'm with you on that. 
she's fine in the role, but like it's just like another aspect of the film. You know what I mean? And the buzzsaw, like, I love that, like, the, the dragging him in that, like, dirt warehouse to flip him over his motorcycle and then give him a chainsaw to the crotch. The chainsaw's a part of me. Now it's going to be a part of you. No thanks. You keep it. And then, like, slices him up. That's a gruesome, that's a gruesome death there. Mm-hmm. But not before Laughlin takes one to the chest, a chainsaw to the chest. Right. Like, you won't just yeah, recover from that one. And Weiss is just kind of done away, like, yesterday's trash by a blast from Dynamo, and that's all we see of him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> After he remembered to get the numbers and give them to Amber. I got to ask you this, Matt, because I, I thought about this while watching. In a stressful situation, like, okay, not only are we you and I running through the running man, trying to survive and, like, come up with ways to dispose of these stalkers, not only now we're trying to help the resistance by remembering this like 12 double digit code. Could you remember that in that headspace? There's no way I could. It's so funny. You said that because when she said that, I said, I'm going to make sure I remember these numbers for the podcast on Saturday. (laughs) I think it's 12, 24, 68 B 17, 17, four. And I spent literally minutes trying to memorize that. Meanwhile, this guy's coming to kill you. This guy's elect. There's no way I. There's could, no way I wouldn't remember that in that type of headspace. So that's just a film. I know because she says, "Remember these numbers," and then later she's like, "I have the code in my head." And I'm like, "I would have forgotten that hours ago." It could have been a name. Do you know what I mean? Like it. It would have been more. Why e- couldn't it have been one of like the digits on like the headpiece? That was like nine something nine X, like five letters. Shows that Amber's smart. It was a really complicated, like, it was like a holographic, like, lock? Character development. Oh, man, that was weird. Amber's superpowers, her excellent memory. Well, that's good, because everyone else would have forgotten it. Yeah. So, you know, they're going through, you know, just kind of, kind of, kind of this thing. They're disposing, disposing of these guys. And then, yeah, just, just more, again, we got, we got to play the classic Arnold lines, because they're just, they're just too good in this film. Dynamo was interesting. This guy was like an actual trained opera singer, and he 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 died before this film even came out. Really? Yeah, that's why he's doing like Figaro in his opening kind of bit hmm. there. And again, after these two guys are dispatched, they're they're so stunned. Like like the the crowd is just like this is like the worst night of the Running Man ever. I don't know what the, all their favorites are just dying by the wayside. So then Killian gets on the line and was like, we got to put an end to this. So he gives him this kind of this, um, this ultimatum. You cold blooded bastard. I'll tell you what I think of it. I live to see you eat that contract, but I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine. Ah! Love how he just rips that camera off. <laughs> he essentially is saying like, "Hey, we're gonna set you up like the winners, but like we got to stop this. Like they're 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 everyone's flipping out over here." And he's just like, "Hey, I ain't having any of that." Mm-hmm. And then the most puzzling, I think, aspect of the film, like it was Jesse Ventura, but then okay, so we got Jim Brown as Fireball now. How old was Jim Brown here? Yeah, he looks like he's in his sixties. He looks old. Yeah. You're gonna send this old man now in to get to go dispatch them, and, he, and that doesn't work because they 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 incinerate him. I did fireball is 
he's never kind of worked for me. I don't know if it's his costume. I like the power and I like Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's some pretty good line there about like, he has like the, like they, they did like made some line to like his like rut brushing in the NFL, but I don't know. Just the character just don't jive with me, but I like the aspect that they've done dealt with like ice, uh, like, like electricity, we- electricity, we- uh, like weaponry, like power tools, and now fire, mm-hmm. and whatever the hell Captain Freedom is, plastic, Patriotism. plastic man, <laughs> <laughs> patriotism's his power. <laughs> yeah, you know the thing that strikes me with the fireball thing with Amber is it's almost like he's attacking her in a locker room. Mm-hmm. That's really weird. That's always so off-putting to me. Yeah, why is why is that the the, the game grid? Yeah, a locker room. Mm-hmm. She's literally which. That's where she comes across a big moment in the film, and that's the previous season's champions that have been disposed of shoddily. Yeah. And their corpses are there, and mm-hmm. she happens to pick up the dog tags from one of them and realize, oh, my gosh, that's Hayes or yeah. whoever the hell it was from last season that won. Mm-hmm. And we realize the whole thing is a ruse. And even if they get out, they're, they're had anyhow. Yep. Okay, this is good in, in one sense in that you really are up against it. Even if you win, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's sort of prolonging and heightening the stakes for the audience and that even if you survive, it's not going to quite work. And mm-hmm. that's a big reveal because the running that Amber and all of them involved in are not just for their escape from the grid. Now the larger plan comes into context and she's got to deliver those numbers because mm-hmm. there really isn't any other thing. You win, you get out of the grid, and they kill you anyway. So short of delivering those numbers to Mick and Dweezil, mm-hmm. um, there's no other plan. Yeah. Actually, so in a weird way, the locker room bit may not work. And maybe it's a morgue. I don't know what the... It, no, it's a locker room. It totally is. It kind of does work in a way also. Mm-hmm. So a weird thing starts happening now with the game, with the, the contestants in the game... And like they're like they're all just like they're just like so flipping out. And then you get this old woman who's the new contestant, and she does this. Listen now, big chance for you. Win a whole lot of prizes. Now you know we've still got two crack stalkers out there, right? Dynamo and Fireball. Who do you think will make the next kill? Oh boy, that's a tough one. Come on, give it a try. You can do it. Who do you think? Okay, I think. The next kill will be made by Ben Richards. Hold it, hold it. Agnes, <laughs> Richards is a runner. You've got to pick a stalker. I can pick anyone I choose. And I choose Ben Richards. Richards. That boy's one mean motherfucker. <laughs> but he's turned the tide. Like they're like they're on his side now. It seems like, and then the betters in the sh- in the shanty towns, two hundred dollars on Richards. Like I can't even imagine trying to keep the book straight on the betting that they're doing. On the, oh yeah, with the chalkboards, and they're just passing money and vouchers, and I like that hurt my brain trying to think of that. But yeah, he's really kind of turned it here, and this is when they team up now with. Mick Fleetwood and they they're going to run the footage. They're going to storm the game set with guns, take over the control booth, show the proper footage and then kill, undo kill. this tyrannical dip- yeah, dictatorship. Yeah, it kind of all just kind of comes it it, it kind of 
it kind of comes apart a little bit at the end. It just ends so suddenly. Like, they take him over. There's a battle that ensues. They dispatch the final stalkers. And then the movie's over. <laughs> Is it better if he does escape the grid and there's not this revolutionary element and then we have the final showdown with him and Killian after he's been released? Is I, that better? Yeah, I think I would like that better. I would, too. Because I, I just don't like this. I don't like the word, like, underground resistance. <laughs> yeah, it's tired. Whether it's... Star Wars or Terminator. Yeah, it's just overplayed, it's, right. They've been doing it so... There's always a group out there that, like... Because the protagonist isn't capable enough on their own to figure it out that they need the help of this, like, army. I don't know. It's just... It's it's an element that never works for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, 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 they kind of they kind of do, do away with that. They show the, the real butcher of Bakersfield footage, which is the scene I played at the very beginning. And, yeah, they save the day, win the day. Not before Arnold has a couple more little lines to Killian. One of us is in deep trouble. <laughs> Only in a rerun. Yep. And he puts <laughs> he puts him in the in the 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 tube, the running man tube, and he says, Drop dead. I don't do requests. God, yes. <laughs> like he would tell him drop dead anyway. I don't do requests. I know you love those lines. Did they not get a little? No, they nev- don't get a little heavy for never, you at some point. Never, okay. like because I know th- this is the package I'm getting. Yeah, I'm not. Like, I'm not walking, watching Apocalypse now with this film. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, like when I turn on the Running Man or Predator, like I, I, I totally know what I'm in for. So I, I have the best time with it. There's a great video on YouTube. I might have to put it on, on like the Facebook page. But there's a. It's like the hundred best Arnold quotes, and it's just a compilation, and it's it's the it's best. The lamentations of the women, and and then like into the boat, into the tunnel, like the pavement was as. There's so many from Last Action Hero, which I don't think is a very good movie, but oh my god, like the quotes are just all over the place, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the film ends. We have that kiss that you don't quite, but then the whole relationship is just interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then. And the film ends to this crazy '80s song. So that's uh, that's essentially the Running is that Man. John Parr. I have no idea. Who that is. I have a joke to make about that here in a second because I'm going to play some. Thirty uh, twenty-seven million dollar budget, thirty-eight million dollar gross. Jeez. Yeah, it's not quite not quite the hit that we wanted. The other aspect that we um, that we didn't talk about too is kind of the censoring of art and music in this there's that scene when amber's apartment when like he's rifling through her closet and she has like a bunch of like clothes like kind of kept away a couple cassette tapes and some money yeah and that's like all that's like contraband it's all outlawed at, at in this world that would that we live in yeah i think that's frustrating because you get you know where arnold brought up earlier and i went off on that little tangent <clears throat> there are some deeper themes to explore here you know, censorship, which yeah. in some ways is kind of a side piece to propaganda, which is what the element of antagonism is in this movie. There is something there. Mm-hmm. And honestly, though, this is all all those ideas and like that type of like more heady sci-fi with Arnold in it is handled much better in Total Recall. Okay. Yeah. They just want some air. Cohagen. Cohagen. <laughs> Give the people the goddamn air. Quato. Maybe we're gonna talk about that one coming up here pretty soon. But hey, I got I got some questions for you, Matt. Okay. What was your favorite tasting note of the running man? 
I think it's probably the first fight with Sub Zero. Mine too. It's yeah, it's the best one. Mm-hmm. The other ones are a little bit kind of just rough, like just like in the ring wrestling, rough and tumble. Well, where this is actually the game grid fits the antagonist, where he has an advantage, and it's the only one. Like they, they could have even done something really cool with Dynamo, and if he was an opera singer, they should have set it in like an opera house. Mm-hmm. There's any number of things with lighting and he could have used the electricity to do the lighting and electrocute the stage. There's any number of things. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that they really cared. And I wonder when you gave me the budget, cause I didn't know that's how cheaply this was done. Yeah. Of that 27 million, probably half went to Arnold for his salary. <laughs> really? Arnold. Yeah, you're right. And cause the, the rest of the cast was cheap. Yeah. Which might speak to yeah, Richard Dawson and Yafa yeah. and Maria Conchita Alonzo. Mm-hmm. And then the set pieces, maybe they didn't have enough money yeah. other than to do a locker room because they didn't have enough money to do. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, and you could even say, well, Jim Brown, the NFL all-time rushing leader at the time, of course it's going to be in a locker room, but it's not set up in the film other than that one throwaway line. They, yeah. <clears throat> the rusher, blah, blah, whatever. There's a rushing line that you brought up that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sub zero. Go. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that. That one's my favorite too. Because like I think the antagonists are all the stalkers are all pretty unique in their own right with their powers, as we said earlier. But I thought his game grid kind of fits his strengths more. Yeah. And it makes it more interesting. All right, Matt. What's the? Oh my god. I need to take a shot of this Breckenridge to cleanse my palate. Scene of the film. <laughs> For as much as. Arnold's one-liners are what make Arnold Arnold and are are infinitely enjoyable. Yeah. They get to be a little bit repetitive for me at the end of this film. The okay. last uh, the last 10%, I'm like, I just give the guy an actual line of dialogue. Yeah. Um, it just I just get a little bit worn out. Yeah. So it's nothing that was shocking. Yeah. It's just like, okay, come on, get on with it. Although a close second. Yeah is about the same time in the film. And that's like this wild bunch, Sam Peckinbaugh-like massacre that takes place on television with gunfights on the set of The Running Man, not in commercial. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this huge firefight on television. Yeah. And that, that's just such bullshit. Yeah. So, lines closely second by just the absurd nature of that gunfight at the end and the unnecessary piece to that. Okay. What do you got? Mine's the last act of the film. Like to me, the, the running man kind of falls apart with me in this finale. Like I love it, the beginning, the middle, and I'm on board. Like once fireball kind of gets in there and then they hang up with uh, Mick Fleetwood and then they storm the set. Like I, I've never been a fan of, of that last. So like, I, I just wish it could have, like you said, you just pitched the perfect ending for this film for me a second ago. He makes it through and then has a final confrontation with Killian in, in like the penthouse, and that's the end of the film. A little snake Pliskin here wouldn't be so remiss, would yeah, it? Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, F you guys, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little selfishness. Now, what does he owe them at this point? This is the this is a entertainment government agency that's done nothing but screw him over. Like, what is what does he owe Mick Fleetwood? Right. Right. Nothing. He owes him. He bought all those. He, he bought he bought too much uh, rumors mm. <laughs> all those years ago. Indeed. All right. This might be kind of interesting to do. I don't know who we're going to pick. Who's the master distiller on The Running Man? I think the best performance in this movie is Richard Dawson. Okay. He's a really good villain. Yeah. And whether he's playing himself or he's actually acting or some combination of both. Mm-hmm. Or, 
he steals this movie. Yeah. So yeah, he's pretty just a pretty despicable villain. I I'll agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. I have to maybe go with Richard Bachman stealing King just just for the premise. I know they butchered his adaptation because it's I, I want to read it because I hear it's it's just incredibly different. But he set the the seeds for a very high concept idea, and. Yeah, it sells itself as soon as you if you describe the running man to somebody or they're just like, oh, wow, like I, th- I think they get it. Mm-hmm. It's then later when you're like, oh, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it. And then maybe they roll an eye or like whatever, like how that goes. But yeah, I'm going to go Bachman, Stephen King with this one. How are you going to rate and grade the running man? We have rock gut, well call, single barrel and top shelf. It's just a call movie. Um. It's better than well. It's better than a bad summer movie, even though it's not a summer movie. It is a summer movie. It's a Thanksgiving movie. And our cast gets a summer movie too, right? Because we're sort of trying to adhere to the mm-hmm. summer ideas. Well, that was a filming. weird discovery. It, it just, it seems like one. Yeah, it's just call, man. It's, yeah. just, it's, just, it's just a movie. Yeah. I loved this movie once upon a time. There was a time this was, prior to maybe True Lies, my favorite Schwarzenegger film. Really? I loved this film. But it hasn't aged well. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't hold up. But that being said, it's not a it's not a tough watch. You're, you're not yeah. unentertained. And for as much as we speak about the cerebral nature of film and auteur this and high concept that, there is an important piece of film that is is it entertaining? Yeah. And the answer to that question is yeah. Yes. This is an entertaining movie. So call just call call. Yeah, it is call call for me too. I think when we talked on the phone last night, I was like, I was like, I'm always tiering directors and act like we have our Hitchcock top tier with like the best of the, and then there's lower tier Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Like Arnold has the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's Terminator Two, True Lies, and so like some other films up there. And then there's like Red Heat, Rod Dale, Conan the Destroyer. There's like those films. That's where this one is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wildly entertaining i love all i love the premise so much it was when i saw the hunger games i was like oh my god the hunger games ripped off the running man like what the hell is this <laughs> i saw the battle, battle royale ripped off the hunger out of the running man what the Fair criticism. what the hell but like th- those are those are entertaining too in their own regard but yeah it's not it's not the best that arnold has has given you know what i mean right i think there's there's better to come better that he had done and yeah, it's just, it, it just kind of shows like you said it so best, like how simple he could appear in a simple idea, but then when given like a proper director, like a Paul Verhoeven or a James Cameron expand the scope of what sci-fi or action could be, and then put him in it's apples and oranges. It's, it's not the same thing. At this time, Arnold's at the height of his power and a very bankable star in Hollywood. And I think the fact that there was never any serious discussion about the Running Man Part Two speaks to them recognizing how sort of just mediocre this film was. You know, we talked a lot, and if it, you can go back and listen to the best movies that never made the silver screen, I think it's Part Two. Maybe it's Part One. We did a whole thing on Total Recall. Um, we did a whole thing on the Crusades movies. We talked about <clears throat> all of the movies that were pitched, at least two, well, two. With Arnold, and this one never was brought up, and that's, I think, a pretty true admission from what this movie is. Like, that's a fair estimation of what it was. That is good as a one-off, and I'm not even saying I vote in favor of any of those sequels, but Hollywood likes to make money. This didn't 
not make money. Like yeah. it still made nine. Yeah. And I'm sure domestically and then internationally it probably did better. And over the years it's probably mm-hmm. increased pretty, you know, dramatically. And the the ROI is much higher than it was initially. But the fact that they never kind of said running man part two back in the grid and it was never pitched and I've never seen a story about that is a pretty blank or I'm surprised they never re- stark testimony. I'm surprised to this they film. never remade this film. Well, I mean, now you know if they remake With it, the now they're gonna they're gonna be <laughs> exactly yeah. they're gonna be saying, "Oh, that's a rip off of the Hunger Games." Yeah, that's what everyone would say. Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how long it's been. And you know, with well, that with that criticism, do you think anyone cares? No, I don't either. No, I'll still go. That's through. a rip off of the Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. Buy my ticket. I'll be there opening night. Exactly. We're very loyal moviegoers, you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you talked about Schwarzenegger one-offs. The one I think I like more than this one is Commando. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's the Running Man. Isn't Alyssa Milano, his daughter, in yep. that? Mm-hmm. and yeah. Ray Ray Don Chung. That's right. As the other female, at, like all these films have that. Like you're totally right. Like they all have that aspect, and it's like I don't know if this is that type of film. Like mm-hmm. just let Arnold blow shit up. That's why First Blood's so good. It's just Rambo running around the mountains against the police. Simple. So simple. There's no like forced like romantic subplot. It's just like, man, I've been screwed by the man. I'm sur- trying to survive. Everyone better get out of my way. God bless Sly Stallone. Stallone. They're kind of in the same boat a little bit. The body kind of treated as simple. Where Sly beats Schwarzenegger, though, is that Stallone can write. And he can write pretty well. He's a really good actor, Jesse. Yeah. You know, again, we talked about the trap of being typecast as Rocky. You know... Harrison Ford's different. Stallone can make a case for that as well. Yeah. Rambo, Rocky, Demolition Man. I know those are not great films. Demolition Man. But even if you look at the the progression of Rocky, the Rocky from Rocky 1 to Creed 2 is a different Oh, yeah. Rocky. It's, it's, it's still good and relevant. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our nightcap. Is that Winger? Firehouse? John Parr with Winger and Firehouse on backup. (laughs) That's what today's movies are missing. Like Avengers Endgame would be so much better at the end if they rolled out a song like that. Man in Motion. (laughs) St. Elmo's Fire. That's what I loved about the 80s. They would just put up some like C-list talent to like come up with the end credit song. And it would just like define the film. Like it's like so many of those films have that. I just looked it up, and that song's actually scored and produced by John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg from Boogie Nights. <laughs> Probably. That's, Fire. That's pretty good. All right, why don't you set up our nightcap question? So the nightcap question revolves around dystopian settings for film. And all I want to know is what is your favorite dystopian setting not in preference for what you've seen, but what is the best generating dystopic future for story devices in an entertainment way? So we're talking high concept sure. screenwriting idea here. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? 
I'll go. I'll go first for this okay. one. So I already mentioned I don't like resistance movements, and I think you and I are in agreement that we don't like the dystopia where the entire world's decimated, destroy the world to rule the world kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. So that's out. So I actually went with one, and I found it, it was like a whole list on website about dystopias. I'll have to look it up because I plum forgot it now. But they listed one known as pleasant dystopia. So I'm defining pleasant dystopia, and Philip K. Dick did this the best, in my opinion, with films like Blade Runner, Minority Report. And what that does is the world's not totally gone to shit, but it's not great either. Something's missing, whether it's a resource, gas, economy, military, something's wrong in the world. And it looks a little bit derelict, but it's not quite there yet. What that allows for, though, is for high concept ideas to play out in that world. So Minority Report's a great example. What if we could stop crime before it even happened? But we're able to do that and enact that in a world that isn't that far gone, but what it could become later on down the road. So, yeah, I'm, we're calling that pleasant dystopia. I like that. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. Philip K. Dick was really good at that, though. He wrote so many stories built around that idea. High concept science fiction. Is that High Castle for you? A little bit? Yeah, that's kind of a little more grim. A little bit, <laughs> It's yeah. a little more grim, but that's it's along those lines. So we're talking like Truman Show or Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, like yes, maybe those perfect might work. examples, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, mine's the sacrificing of the minimum for the benefit of the maximum. We talked last night and I said this is what I was going to go with. Mm -hmm. And immediately after I got off the phone, I changed my mind. <clears throat> it's whatever setting you want to call the purge. Okay. I'm going to give up one day, one 24-hour cycle for the betterment of 364 other days of goodness. I think that offers up a lot of possibilities because what you then do is you allow your characters to forget about the moral compass that's keeping them pointed north. One day you can do whatever the hell you want. And then after that, everybody else is back to playing by the rules, but get it out of your system. And there's a philosophical point to that as well. Like we all have reached that point at various times yeah. and you just lose it. Mm -hmm. So we agree on this day, everybody gets to lose it for 24 hours and then it's back to, and then, cause there's so many things. What do you, how do you live with what you've done during those 24 hours? How bad can it actually get in this time element? And then there is that piece too, which we've talked about and you know I like, yeah. the ticking clock element. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the best concept ideas of the last 25 years yeah. wasted on a mediocre film. Right. That first purge is a joke. But a brilliant idea. Yeah. No, it's, it's I, I really like that one. Good. Both those are good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to go out there like, we don't want like the Ultron plan where he's going to level Earth and then roll over just like be himself. Like, that's so stupid. Off the top of your head, can you give me your least favorite? I, not Underground Resistance, but can you give me the one you like the least? Like, I like zombies, but like, I don't like them when they've totally run amok. Let like, me give you mine while you think about that for a minute. Yeah. I don't need my villains to be super nuanced. Mm -hmm. They need a face. Yeah. They need a purpose. The face can't be... AI mm -hmm. and the face, one that I hate <laughs> yeah. even more than that. You can't have sentience. <laughs> oh, I hate it. The one that is even worse than that for me is Mother Nature. The Mother Nature turned on man, and we are in the middle of blah, 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 blah. Ugh. And here's why. Yeah. You cannot squeeze 
any development out of character from your protagonist in that. And when you try, it comes across like the happening. Yeah. And that is one of the three worst films I've ever seen. Is that a bit of foreshadowing, Matt? <laughs> Might be. Plants that are pissed off. So they're going to, seriously. They're going to spore us to death. Ugh. Yeah. That, I mean, that's even more absurd than just any of the natural disasters because Mother Nature turned on man. And you know what? Because the truth is that happened. There's no conflict because it's just over. Yeah. And I don't mean dinosaurs coming back. That's different because at least a dinosaur has a singular face and a purpose, which is eating. I know what you mean. Then Mother Nature just wins and cold and fucking rain and typhoons. It's just so boring. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. The plane that crashes in the mountains and we have to find a way to get back without eating each other. I could literally, I would rather do anything else than watch that movie. Mm -hmm. I hate it. So that's my least favorite by a mile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think I, I, I have to go with like zombies that have gone completely amok. Like I love Romero's Night of the Living Dead because it hasn't quite gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. Like we're getting it at like its infancy. And I like Dawn of the Dead, but by the time you get to like his like Land of the Dead and Dire, it gets, it's too much for me. And then it's The Walking Dead, which was good, but then it's just, that's all it is now. Right. So yeah, that, that, that that's going to be mine. Yeah, you want a formidable opponent, but like I, I want to uh, like still have like, conflict and interesting stories to be told as well Mm -hmm. excellent i love it we have an interesting story to be told next week continuing on the hasta la vista train we're staying in 1987 and man we haven't talked about john mctiernan yet and i'm so excited to talk about this film because it's just it's just a romp it's just so much fun and the villain is great we're talking about from 1987 predator Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Jesse Ventura again, Carl Weathers, great Shane Black. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to have to talk. As an actor. Yeah, as an actor. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about what this film could have looked like versus what it looks like on the screen because there was like a, like, and I think it's when Arnold got married. It's like they had like this, like, come to Jesus moment. They're like, this isn't working. And they totally switched the look of the creature because Jean Claude Van Damme was playing him. Right. And he looked like a cockroach or like a, some bug and it's it's james cameron related he like made the recommendation to stan winston on what this thing should look like and that's the creation that we got and he looks he's right there he's right there right there yeah i'm so excited to talk about predator you're gonna have to come over and watch and watch this one and yeah we're gonna have a ton to talk about with with the story and then yeah man versus this is like the first time i think i've ever seen schwarzenegger met his match that kevin peter hall that they put in that suit man he's like Got like a foot on Arnold. I'm right here. Do it. <laughs> Come on. I'm right here. Kill me. Do it. <laughs> Love it. More great lines coming next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Well, until then, cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers. I got to get going. I'm going to go strap into my Adidas uh, Running Man game show suit, and I'm going to go run the first trial. I hope it's not Sub-Zero because I can't ice skate. I'm going to go pop on some Bob Eubanks videos from the past and up my sarcasm game for next week. I'm going to go check out some of those too because I don't know who that is. Okay. Excellent. We'll see you all next week. Everybody have a great week. Okay. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rise Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to leave us a comment at rysmileproductions at gmail.com. The Running Man is property of TriStar Pictures, HBO Pictures, Taft Entertainment, and Brave World Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll please bear with us, we're experiencing technical difficulties. Bullshit! It's showtime. <laughs>